Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning from wherever you are watching or listening from. Welcome to episode nine of Three Blokes and the Rugby League podcast. Josh McVitie and Jed Amos Goddard are back in the broadcast booth today, and I cannot wait to hear their thoughts on the Raiders and Cowboys' performances. Quick mention to our up-and-coming interviews. We have Salford Red Devils halfback on the show on Wednesday, the 9th of September, Chris Atkin and Richie Mathers on the 23rd of September in two weeks' time. Keep an eye out on all our social media platforms for more exclusive announcements. I can promise you we've got some brilliant guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Jed and Joss, welcome back. We missed you last week, Eden. did a cracking job filling in, but it's good to have the three blokes back. Um, Joss and Jed, I'll start with you, Joss. Who was your player of the week this week, mate? Yeah, for me this week, it was Payne Haas. I think he really stood down the middle of the field against a big and dominating Panthers pack. 180 metres, sure, they were willing to dig deep to the ball in, but the most impressive thing for me were 61 tackles against a huge side. And they weren't just passive tackles, they were getting involved. So, yep, yeah, for me, it's Payne Haas. Over to you, Jed. Uh, I've got a number of players I could choose. I could have gone Valentine Holmes. I could have gone Scott Drinkwater. Could have gone Kyle Felt. Could have gone Gavin Cooper. Just any of the Cowboys players this week, considering that we won for the first time since we've been doing the podcast. So I'm going to milk it. But in all serious, my player of the week had to be Caelan Ponger. He got knocked all over the park and scored a hat trick. 15 tackle bus, I think it was. He was just phenomenal, basically unplayable. And so, yeah, I think that's the second time I've picked him now. But yeah, I'm sure we'll, Joss will touch on it later, but yeah, Caelan Ponga for me. Yeah, an excellent world-class performance from Caelan Ponga. Um, linking back to just what Joss mentioned about Payne Haas, Jed, our first game of the round, the Thursday night game, Brisbane Broncos 12, Penrith Panthers 25. Um, not the scoreline everybody predicted, Jed, but definitely was the result. Uh, Penrith didn't really get out of second or third gear, really. No, they didn't, but that's what the good the good teams do. I mean, obviously, Pen- Panthers are sitting top of the ladder for a reason. I think it's their 12th win in a row now. Uh, but yeah, they, they just looked naturally easy for them. I, I, I would have expected them to put a bigger scoreline on the Broncos, but to give the Broncos the due, they were in the game for the first half an hour. They scored first. They scored in the, within the first 20 minutes, which not a lot of teams have done at all against Panthers. Obviously, they went like so much so long without conceding in the first 20, and usually blow teams away in that first 20. So fair play to the Broncos for matching them for most of the first half, but. You sort of always felt that when Panthers wanted to turn it on, they would and, and ended up coming home pretty easily, really. You think it's a bit of a detriment sometimes that they, you know you end up playing these type of games the back end of the season, they don't get out of second or third gear. You think if you're a Penrith fan, would you rather be playing maybe a Roosters or a Raiders at this point? Um, I think you'd want to go in the middle. Personally, no, no offence to, to the Tigers, but I think I'd be wanting to play like the Tigers, the Manly, the teams who are going to give you a bit more of a contest but who really don't have anything to play for. I think if you're playing the big teams up to the running, it can take a lot out of you and, and leave you a little bit tired and maybe obviously a few injuries and a little bit depleted for the finals. Uh, but then on the other end, the Broncos, the Cowboys, the Doggies down at the bottom, are they going to really challenge you and make you obviously put the work in and, and try the moves off that might benefit you in the finals? Probably not. So yeah, I'd probably be wanting to play them teams who are around the playoffs, but probably going to miss out. He never really seemed in doubt, like like we said, they never really got a second or third gear. But, but players like Dylan Edwards, Joe Mluai, Nathan Cleary, Api Corisal, James Fisher-Harris, performing week upon week upon week, aren't they? Yeah, just they were they were all extraordinary. Dylan Edwards run for two hundred and ninety-nine meters, insane, insane. The whole spine. There's a reason that Josh picked pretty much the whole Panthers spine for his team of the week because they controlled everything. You sort of feel, felt like. They just have two sets, settle it, and then thought, you know what, I think we'll score here. Put a move on, like, the fourth tackle and scored. Um, Cleary's got the ball on a string. He got two try assists just from kicks alone. Always dangerous. Luai so hard to tackle, just running out of tackles, and they're getting a quick no-look pass away. Coruscant jumps out of dummy half, links into well with Cleary and Luai. And, and uh, Coruscant with 58 tackles as well. Just that everything, the real, the, they are a complete spine, and they are the best spine in the competition this year, without a shadow of a doubt. And when you've got players like that who are all filing on all cylinders, you're always going to look likely to get the victory. Brisbane had a few blokes coming back this week, including someone like Corey Oates, who's got representative honours. Um, but two blokes who, who will most likely be having representative honours who've been outstanding for, for Brisbane this year. Payne Haas, Patrick Carrigan. 
Didn't take a backward step, did they again, mate? Like Josh mentioned, 61 tackles for Paynas, which is a monumental effort, kind of a, a grand final origin type effort from a prop forward. Yeah, it was excellent. He, he really led that Broncos pack. And a lot has been spoken about that Broncos pack, about obviously how much talent and quality at such a young age it has. Uh, but Carrigan got around about 165 metres. But yeah, 180 metres and 61 tackles. Like, what more do you want from a young prop forward? Like, that's sort of like, as you say, like origin standard after they've been crafting their game for a few years. To be doing that at such a young, young age against the best team in the competition is a great effort. And just with you mentoring Corey Oates there, he's been sort of like off the boil now for like two years. And I'm a big Corey Oates fan. I think he's a really good player. Just seemed to not really be in it, but he came back this week from injury. 136 metres, I think he got, which is more the numbers we're used to seeing from him. So hopefully that carries on into next season. He'll get back up to that form that we know he can produce. Yeah, I think he's been a bit up in the air as Corey Oates, no pun intended for the, for the winger. But I think after Corey Parker retired and like Sam Fardy retired, it was more expected that he was going to move into the back row. And, and that experiment hadn't really worked. And then they started getting people like Jermaine Asako and Tessie Newey and people like that on the wing. And he kind of found himself on the outskirts and maybe looking for another club. But Corey Oates has been there for a lot of years now. And I think he's a, he's a cracking player. And he adds a lot to that run meter statistics as well. But, you know, they, the run meter statistics was something you were looking into more in depth this week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So I thought when I was looking, there was such a disparity between the two teams. Um, Broncos run for 1,271 metres and Panthers run for 2,108 metres. So, massive chunk there, like nearly 800 metres between the two. Uh, over 800 metres, actually. Um, but then I sort of did a little bit of equations, do some of my GCSE eSmart education mathematics skills and worked out that the Broncos per run were averaging 8.04 metres compared to the Panthers who were averaging 9.8 metres per run. Now, nearly two metres might not seem a lot, but that's 12 metres a set. You're having that every single set. You're, all, you're going to be losing the territory battle every single time. And when Panthers, obviously, that's why they're getting the, the metres that they're getting, 299 metres, Fisher-Harris, 259 metres, because they're constantly getting these big runs and getting that territory. And so no team you come up against, if you, there's that disparity between the two, you're not going to be in the contest at all. I think something that stood out for you as well were the tackle stats. Yeah, definitely. Broncos made 112 more tackles than the Panthers, but only missed three more so I don't know if that speaks a lot about the Panthers. Or I think that just speaks mainly to how well the Broncos tackle and how much they did try and match the Panthers here, but the quality just shone through. But fair play to Bronco. It's been a tough season and they definitely give it a good go. And that's all you can expect from them right now. Yeah, it's nice to see them actually putting their hand up and, and not just giving in totally like they've seen the past couple of weeks or maybe like a, a couple of other teams too. Very quickly, like you mentioned, the 12th win in a row for the Penrith Panthers. Outstanding achievement and, and brilliant, brilliant in the past couple of years. But... There's still actually seven wins off the actual record in NRL history, dating back all, all the way to the 1900s. The Sydney Roosters in 1975 got 19 wins in a row on the way to winning a championship. So, you know, if they're going to go all the way, they've, they've really got to stick the neck out and, and do well. So, um, brilliant for the Premier Panthers, brilliant to see and uh, excellent. We'll move on to next week. But Josh McVitie talking about two teams who are going to be pushing for the playoffs. Newcastle Knights 38, Cronulla Sutherland Sharks 10. Two teams along with probably the New Zealand Warriors are just kind of a win-loss record. Win one week, lose the next. And then when they play each other, it's just kind of totally up in the air. Very unpredictable, isn't it? Yeah, and I think this, this win for the Knights is a massive result going towards that eight, in the top eight. You know, they've shown the concern of a side close around them. And, well, it takes a bit of a advantage going in knowing that Sharks have been hammered by yourselves so I just think it's a good win for Knights and the Bucky to move on from it. Talk to me about Caelan Ponga mate I mean we could talk all day and all night but what a superb performance once again even with a busted nose. Yeah absolutely ridiculous you know you're incredible 222 metres three tries three line breaks 15 broken tackles I can carry on the man is an absolute weapon and he remained a threat even after taking a dog shot from uh, from the Canola Chad Townsend. But 16 games he's been involved in this season, nine tries and 11 assists, accumulating 122 points. And he's averaging just shot of 200 metres per game. He's often asked about his consistency, but I think he's really starting to come into that now. He's starting to show it. But I think sometimes we also forget he's only 22. And he's producing these numbers, of producing these stats consistently now. And it's just it's a scary thought of how far and how well he'll go. He's earning his money, mate, for me. He's finally earning his money and Newcastle paid a lot for him. 
You know, I think it's close to $1 million, if not over $1 million. And when you're getting these $1 million type players, these are the type of performances week in, week out that you expect from them. You expect them to win your games. You know, he's got a hat-trick on his own here. And it's almost, it's almost looks like he's lathered in butter. He's running into tackles that you'd assume he'd be taken down an instant. And he's breaking through the line and scoring under the sticks. I don't know how he does it, but, you know, players are obviously realising that he's such a key person in the Newcastle Knights lineup now that, you know, it might end up with a, a Chad Townsend dog shot like, like what happened. You know, the third red card of the 2020 NRL season, mate. What, what was your perspective on it? Yeah, for me, it's a definite red card. You know, we've had a little talk about it and we've had a look back on it ourselves and it's, uh, he's got plenty of time to pull out of a challenge. And those around him had stopped, clearly. Just, it's, just a bit, it's just a bit malicious, really. And it's probably down to how well Ponga were going and frustration. You know, like you said, he's running through him and he's just, he's just giving one. And I never had Townsend down as that type of player, but for me, yeah, it's, it's a dog shot. And when you watch replay, it don't look any better. I'm just going to bring in our, our colleague, Jed Amos Goddard here. Just, we never normally overlap on segments, but he actually had an alternative opinion to this. I've, I mean, I've, not, I've, I've kept an eye out and, and looked on social media regarding this subject with Caelan Ponger, and there's, there's been a lot on, on side of it being a red card, but you agree with the other side of it, don't you, Jed? Yeah, I think the first instinct I thought, I thought it was a bad and I thought it should have been a sim bin. I've looked at it a few more times and I do think it is a little bit worse than I originally thought. However... I still don't think it's as bad as the reaction has been warranted. I think he wasn't looking at the referee when he did it. I will agree, he shouldn't have come off his feet. It was a shoulder charge. It was a horrendous hit. I'll back that all the way. However, I feel like he'd already committed to that. And one of the main points of issue is that it was it was late. I don't think he realised that. So I, from that aspect, I don't think... I think I'd leave it at that red card and I think he should be back next week because I don't think, as Josh said, he's not a malicious player. I don't think he heard the referee. Ponger only stopped a split second before I hit him. So I will defend Towns on that way, but obviously it's not the kind of thing we do want to see. So I do agree with Josh, but I also differ in, in that aspect as well. I think the only thing that will back up the argument of him not being able to hear is if there was fans. You know, they're in, they're in you know, semi-empty stadiums at the minute. I don't understand how he can't hear the whistle. Um... And like I've mentioned before, you don't you don't jump up into the air if you if you're going to try and stop yourself. He looks like he was going to make brilliant contact regardless of the whistle or not, but then he's actually jumped into the air to get more momentum into an actual shoulder charge, which I thought was was a bit of a dog shot and a bit dirty. So alternate opinions between us all, but that's rugby league, and it's, it's it's good about that anyway. He'll probably face it looks like probably the rest of the season on the sidelines, maybe coming back in the playoffs. Very quickly, Josh, we, we've got a good mate, James Slater, and who actually lives out in Australia. Um, you know, he actually mentioned to us that the Newtown Jets grand final winning side last year in the reserve grade have um, eight or nine, even maybe more, who actually playing in the Cronulla Sharks starting lineup at the minute, including players like Connor Tracy and, and Braden Trindle. What, what does this mean? How good is it to have these kind of all, all coming through the system at the same time? Yeah, well, as you just mentioned there, Tracy and Trindle, I thought they were both closer to our best players on pack for Cronulla weekend. You know, the two young blokes who've had to come in direct to side down after losing a bloke, an influential bloke like Chad Townsend. But I think it just tells you the philosophy Cronulla were going, wait a minute, to have eight blokes playing for you who played in the second grade grand final last year, obviously we all know one another, but it's a big step up. And I think it just highlights how they're promoting from within their setups and from their youth systems rather than going and spending money unnecessarily. And I think it's starting to flourish a little bit better. I think it's starting to come good for them, it? so it's pretty bright. Yeah, I think I think it does look bright for in certain games. Then in, in games like this, it kind of comes a bit undone when they don't have the massive amounts of experience. But if they keep them all together, I reckon in a couple of years, it's, the Sharkies could be potentially a top-four team again. But it quickly, mate, the, the domination in the middle really stood out for you with David Clemmer and Saifiti. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I feel like I talk about Clemmer week in, week out now, and Saifiti is starting to pull his, uh, pull his weight and all, getting back to that origin level. I think it's just highlighted how much defence Shark had to muster up with when Nicora, Braley and Woods had to combine for 137 tackles. That's just three blokes out of seven or so we're going to be knocking about that middle of the park. And I think it just, just highlights there how the Knights dominated the game and then obviously got the chance to dominate the possession and then ultimately the scoreline reflects that. Definitely, mate. And a good game and it could potentially be a playoff game as well depending on where the Knights end up. So, um, you know, potentially foreseeable for the future but I reckon both teams probably won't get much further than the prelim finals. But, 
very good game. You know, Caelan Pong are world class and, and moving on very swiftly there. But two, two of the teams who will be in the playoffs, Jed, South Sydney Rabbits, 16, Melbourne Storm, 22. Probably arguably the game of the round and what people are looking at, along with the Raiders versus the Roosters, are potentially a semi-finals game. You know, Storm overcame Bunnies in what, in what felt like a playoff semi, didn't it? Yeah, the first 20 minutes, it, it was great. It was so tough and you saw both teams were really up for it in that first 20 minutes and you definitely felt like this had a playoff feel about it. Both teams not giving an inch, battling for every every second, battling for every centimetre and it was a, a, real, a really a good start to the game. It, it didn't really carry on in that form. It sort of wavered a little bit, uh, but it was still a good game nonetheless. But yeah, Storm obviously coming out the victors in that game. I mean, you look at you look at the Bunnies the past couple of weeks. They've been arguably the most on-form team in the league outside of Penrith. Um, but it was kind of their completion rate and ball control that disappointed you a bit. Yeah, I, I, I expected more. I really did. I, I tipped I tipped the Bunnies this week to win. I thought they'd beat the Storm. They were averaging 37 points a game from the last five games. It's an astonishing amount of points to be scoring. They were firing on all cylinders. And, and I just expected them to test Storm a little bit more. I don't know if that's testament to Storm's defence, how good it was, or the lack of ability in attack from Bunnies. But yeah, when you've got 66% completion, it's not good enough. It's not good enough against Dogs. It's not good against Broncos. It's not good against Cowboys. You're going to be looking at a defeat against them teams. Maybe your quality might see you through. But when you're coming up a team as dominant as Storm, you're always going to be up against it. You're going to struggle to get the possession, the territory. Storm were completing at 84%, and I think that's what pretty much saw them through most of the game, to be honest. I think it's difficult because the quality did seem to dip when Adam Reynolds went off for them 10 minutes for the HIA and he got that accidental shot from, uh, I think it was Feliz Kafusi on his jaw. But, you know, it's difficult when you're in a situation like that. You look at the Roosters and maybe Keary goes off. You can bring on like a Lachlan Lama or a Drew Hutchison. The Bunnies just seem to be lacking that a bit and it, and it must be worrying as a Bunnies fan if Adam Reynolds goes off, you don't really have that depth to cover him. Um, I mean, looking at depths of squads and stuff, Ryan Pappenhausen has come on this year, mate. He's improving every single week for me to a point where you're looking at him being one of the most influential fullbacks in the league and that's not, that's not easy to come by. You know, he's, 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 he's in a really important piece in this Storm Jigsaw puzzle, isn't he? Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I obviously I've spoke, Rave, done everything I can to speak highly about him. He is an immense player. And he's sort of like shot out of nowhere. He came sort of onto the scene halfway through last season, was really impressive. And he just carried on building that this season. And for me, apart from Nathan Cleary, I think he's been the best player in the league. I think he's been the best fullback, which is a big compliment when you've got the likes of Teddy, RTS, Gufferson, Ponger. That's a, a big compliment in itself. But I think he's been instrumental in the attack that this year and is really moulding into that Billy Slater type player. Just a couple of stats just from this this week's game. He got a try, two try assists, eight tackle busts, a line break, a line break assist and 196 metres to boot. They're great stats. So when you're putting that against a team that are as good as the Bunnies, that's, it's great. What more do you want from your fullback? He's so influential and the Storm must be so pleased to have him on their side and fill that vacant role that Slater left. He's a world-class running fullback as well. And, it, and it, once again, another example of a talent that the Tigers let go for quite cheap. So that's lovely for me, for me to see as well. But he's, 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 he's really becoming a game-breaker as well. And he's always seemed to be this type of player who can score tries out of nowhere. And I think this, this uh, playoff um, section of the season coming into it, it'll really come into his own and, and maybe stake his claim to a potential Dalian medal as well. I think he's been outstanding this year. Um, a couple of blokes have been really standing up for you. Is that Storm Pack, Jed? Every single uh, starting pack player in, in the pack for the Melbourne Storm, bar Kenny Bromwich, actually broke 100 metres. And Christian Welsh is someone who's really stood out for you the past couple of weeks. Yeah, he's someone that has, has always sort of been around. He doesn't really get the, the plaudits or the highlights. Obviously, being in and around um, rep footy for a while. Um, had one or two appearances here and there. But yeah, I thought he really stepped up this game and uh, definitely sort of led that pack. And he's not usually one of the leaders, would you say? It's normally left to like NAS or Bromwich to try and try and do that. But no, he really impressed me. He got a really nasty cut earlier on and was, and was bleeding quite heavily, but it didn't really stop him. He carried on, uh, got some great metres. And uh, it just shows what that what that pack is about. Like any, any given week, you can have a different member who sort of steps up and, and leads from the front and... You can say that pretty much about any any of the Storm player when, obviously, you've got Smith, who was at the top with Munster. But then after that, it's sort of pretty much a level playing field with the, the players who can who can lead the squad. And I think that's something that Bellamy does try and uh, influence throughout the rest of the team. And it's probably why they've, they've been so successful and so dominant for so long. 
Yeah, there is a team of winners out there, really. I think it's great to see Welsh, who's done two ACLs in the past couple of years as well, really come into his own. And, and, and like you say, stake a claim and, and Biag will be their, one of their better forwards and, and, and potentially get a Queensland spot more, more regularly as well. Um, Tino Fasamalawi has been slightly off form the past couple of weeks, but I, have, I, have, I mean, just comparing it to his early season form, I did have a look at the stats and he's actually the only Melbourne Storm player to play every single game for them this year. You think in the next couple of weeks, Bellamy will start to maybe look at him off the bench and maybe even give him a rest in the next week or so? Um, I'll, I'll probably say no. I don't think Bellamy is that type of player. I think unless you've got a, a little a little niggle here or maybe a little injury that you might need a week off from, I think he's just going to play you because that's the kind of like commitment he expects from his play. He doesn't expect a backward step. If you're fit, then you play and you play to the best of your ability. So I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if he did give him a rest just for the sake of having a rest. I think he'll want to keep his squad fresh and firing on all cylinders coming up to that final series. Uh, and he did get over the try. It was a nice try for Fasa Malawi as well. And he's obviously been a bit quiet, but he's, he's still gone very well this season. And I'm sure that uh, he'll have a big season, obviously, when he moves on next year. Very quickly, Jed, we've got uh, 15 seconds left on this. Do you see the Bunnies and Storm making it into the semi-finals? Uh, I see Storm, yes. I see Bunnies, no. Can Bunnies do it if they really push on? Yes. Can they do it without Latrell? Yes. But can they do it without Reynolds? Definitely not. No, not for me. Good, good stuff. Um, Joss, moving on to two teams who aren't mathematically able. Oh, actually, one team is mathematically able to make the playoffs, but... Very, very unlikely. Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs, 14. The Gold Coast Titans, 18. It was a bit of a tough slog of a game, mate. I don't know if you caught it in full, but it was obviously a lot, a lot of lack of finesse, a lot of lack of fitness from, from the doggies especially. But Titans, once again, really coming through and really pushing for a, a kind of a ninth, tenth play finish. Yeah, I just, it just felt a bit like Groundhog Day, this game for both setups. really. I mean, it's another gritty win for Gold Coast and let... It reiterates that we've said before, like the light at the end of the tunnel might be there. But there's a couple of major concerns, concerning areas for the Sharks. Is firstly how tired they looked. They just didn't look to be there. The fitness levels, they don't seem to maintain the intensity or physicality that's needed to remain strong for 80 minutes. And then similarly, with the offensively, something seems to be missing at minute. And I think things are worse than we're losing form and a return to try and get something going. Yeah, so that's a really big loss for them. I know he doesn't really do huge amounts on field recently as opposed to his manly days, but, I mean, such an influence as, as an actual bloke, as a premiership winner, is it? He's a New Zealand international as well. Losing him again to a peck injury, something, you know, it's, it's a six-month rehab programme now, and especially coming to the back end of the season, it might benefit him a bit, but that's, that's such a big loss for them, and it's such a shame. Hopefully you can get fit for the new season. But you know, you, you compare a negative to a kind of a positive and, and Will Hopawati and Dallin Wittenis Lesniak really impressed for you and have been impressing the past couple of weeks, haven't they? Yeah, DWZ were a bit hit and miss to start with. And um, I'm pretty sure they were dropped a couple of weeks back and uh, it was just knocking about in reserves, obviously not playing. But Will Hopawati, he's, he's been like a moment for doggies at the minute. He's, he's taking his ball in really well, but he's backing up play as well. And, and for me, he, he's starting number one, but... Will he be moved about when Kotrick turns up next season? Will they pay all that money to have someone who's not going to be at fullback? I'm not too sure, but I, I think Opelati, and we mentioned it before, he's playing similar to a level he did it when he, when he represented the origin level. Um, so, but obviously, Trent Barrett comes in, who's a well-renowned halfback, and hopefully he'll start to get him, get him firing a bit, and Opelati can carry on going the way he's doing. Mate, I, I, I give, say you're a doggies, a, do, a doggies coach or a big doggies fan. I give you three positions of a fullback and two wingers. And you've got Will Opoate, Dallin Witteni Zelezniak, Nick Ottrick and Nick Meany. Um, four don't go into three, mate. How are you sorting that out? Um, I can see him shifting Opoate into centre. Yeah, I agree. That's, that would have been, I, I'd have thought they'd do that. Maybe, maybe pushing. Well, I'm presuming Kotrick's going to go there and start at one. He might get first crack there, but we'll just have to see, won't we? Yeah, I do hope not because I'm not a big fan of of wingers trying to push the way into fullback just because there's a bit more money. For me, Nick Kotrick on his day can be one of the best wingers in the world. And if you've got MDWZ on the wings, Nick Meany at fullback, and Hopoate and uh, Tim Laffey in the centres, it's 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 a dangerous three quarter line, is that? But 
he, he goes, he goes, mate. So you don't know how uh, how it's going to go. But um, you know, looking at two, three big players for the for the Titans at the minute, the three Fs: Fogarty, Fomor, and Fotuaka. They've been excellent, haven't they, the past couple of weeks? Yeah, the the, the three Fs just continue to show up, and more impressively, they're uh, not being so comfortable and enjoying the football. Like you know, we've said about them seeing like at the end of the tunnel and just playing without that pressure of being bottom at sat bottom at ladder. So. But it's another huge performance from my mate in the number eight. He's big, he's physical, he's top 200 metres again. And again, it, it, it was a game that really needed someone in the pack to stand up and lead for me. It was going to be a nitty-gritty affair anyway, and, and he did that. He didn't miss a tackle. I think another thing that we don't look at is he's only 20 year old and he's only played 52 NRL games. So his stats and his consistently good stats as well. So I, I think there'll be a fair few teams sniffing around him come off-season. Fogarty is looking more comfortable as each week comes, and I think that that also helps with uh, Bo Firma because he's getting he's getting more used to him and they're going the jelly a bit more, and it, things are just beginning to be a little positive for him. And like we've said, it could, it could start to go really well for him. You know, things are looking good. What's Fotowaka's representative status, mate? What, where who will he end up playing for? You know, I have no idea. I think he got mentioned. I think I've read somewhere he's mentioned around. Um, Queensland, but I'm not actually sure. I think he definitely is. A, I don't know if he's like a Samoa or a Tonga. Yeah, is he a Kiwi? Yeah, he's a Kiwi. So oh, okay. Queensland. Well, there you go. Well, yeah, I think I think he's definitely in with a chance of making the Kiwi side. Anyway, um, you know, both teams actually have quite a positive future, actually, as we've mentioned. But something that doesn't really have a positive future is Jairo's hair. Um, you know, we've seen some terrible barnets. We spoke about Jed's in the past. He's gone bald before. He's dyed his hair blonde. He's a uh, He's got he's got the flat down the flat top at the minute, but um, that mullet, mate, it's it's something to be uh, to, do, to be disgusted by. I can't tell if I really like it or really dislike it. Like, I look at it and then I think, I play to him, you know, to walk about with that, you've got to have something about you. But then they also look and think, to walk to wear that, you've got to have something else about you. So, but <laughs> it backs it up when he plays. So. Yeah, I think all, all jokes aside, um, I think it is for a charity. It's for a men's health. Men- men's mental health charity we saw chad townsend kind of growing out the bullet as well and a couple more others in the nrl this week so fair play to him i've got a bit of respect for him i don't think i could do it um i mean i don't think i could grow that much and lose <laughs> that quickly anyway to be fair so uh very quickly mate luke thompson it's good to see him being a bit more impressive this week being given a bit more game time and game time at prop yeah it was just good to see him back on park really you know and getting a bit of, getting a bit of time behind him it's positive Positive performance for himself and the team going to make him feel, but obviously there's circulating rumours that he's unhappy and his mental health's not in a great place. I mean, but obviously by more game time and more enjoying himself and settling more, it can only get better. And obviously we 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 know full well how good he can be when he gets going. So hopefully it's um, starting to push on now, and hopefully we see the best of him. Yeah, definitely. I hope there's some sort of resolution in, in everything that's going on, and he can stick out there because. You know, a revitalised Bulldogs team next year, who I don't think will be bottom of the table type quality. Could be good to see him at prop and, and kick on even further. Moving on, Jed, Amos Goddard, the greatest game of the weekend. The West Tigers 34, Manly Warringah Seagulls 32. Um, brilliant for us to finally get a, a, a win. And, and I mean, we are a very, very, very outside chance of getting the playoffs. But, you know, we, we produced a, a mesmerising comeback twice. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty amazing to be honest. To come to produce one comeback is the way that you did it as well is 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 pretty amazing. But to do it twice with the clock running out, yeah, fair play to you. I mean, I said last week in my predictions, I predicted Tigers to win because it doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, and to produce a performance like this when theoretically it doesn't really matter in the more is very Tigers, but. Still nice to get a win. Always nice to beat Manly, of course. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a very entertaining game to watch, and uh, always nice to get the victory for you Tigers boys as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was horrendous, heartbreaking to watch sometimes as, as, a, as a Tigers fan. But I imagine for a neutral, a 32-34 spread game is is brilliant, and someone who must stand out for a neutral who's 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 performing at peak powers at the minute is someone like David Nofaluma. He's firmly in the driving seat to probably be top try scorer this season and, and definitely up there to be to win a Dali M medal. I think he is for me, yeah. I think he's definitely going to bag a few more tries. I'll touch wood for him um, before the end of the season. Um, I can't, I'm not too sure, Jamie, correct me, do top tries count in the finals? Because I'm not too sure. 
Good question. I'm not entirely sure. Dalian medal, Dalian points do, I believe. So yeah. I don't know why tries wouldn't. Uh, but that could be his only downfall if obviously someone's getting extra games to score him. But if he, he'll, I still think he'll probably get there. I think he'll still get Dalian winger of the year. He deserves it because he's been definitely our best player this season. He's been excellent. I totally agree. And, so, and it's nice to see a bloke like Jacob Liddell come back as well. I mean, he's had some horrendous injuries and he's never really got much game time behind players like Robbie Farrow and Wynnum Bayes played Hooker and Harry Grant this year. But I wouldn't necessarily say he changed the game, but when he came on at Hooker and Harry Grant moved to a, a second receiver type player, I mean, he came on with 12 minutes left and we ended up winning 16-0 when he came on and we won the game. And did you see much in his play that impressed you? Yeah, I don't know. It's just the kind of seem to bit have a bit more go forward. I don't know if it was because they both had him and Grant on at the same time. Obviously, both offering that kind of that 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 punch through the line that maybe that maybe influenced it. And as soon as they got that, obviously that first try to spike the second comeback, obviously they got the tails up. And especially when you've got a player like Grant of immense quality, as soon as you get your tail up, he's going to be looking. He's going to be going at you. And, and they'll seem to complement that quite nice. And uh, I feel like the both of them on the pitch at the same time. It, it, it really worked wonders for the Tigers and, and that definitely, sort of, I think, got you home as well. It's nice to take the pressure off Grant as well because he's still only a rookie. And, I mean, it's no secret that he's arguably one of our better players and he's still only a rookie. So, if you bring Lidl on, he's got some excellent distribution. He's actually been there a couple of years, so he knows a lot of the players now. And it's nice to get Grant as a second receiver or even as a loose forward type player as well. Um, I'm very impressed with Jacob Lidl and I think he's someone who will stick at the Tigers for a couple of years because... You know, he's a Tigers boy and it's, it's good to see. You know, someone who actually made his debut in this game, Jed, didn't really have much luck in terms of winning as an overall, but the centre Morgan Harper for the Manly Seagulls was quite impressive on debut. What? He two tries, two line breaks, six tackle breaks, 117 metres. What did you think of his performance? Yeah, 17 tackles to boot as well, Jamie. He pretty much did, did everything. What more can you want? I think that's pretty much, a, as apart from maybe getting an extra try and bagging a hat-trick, that's pretty much a, a dream debut and getting the victory as well, the two points. But other than that, it's pretty much a dream debut. Yeah, I thought it went it went really well. I've spoken before, like when it's even your first season, but especially your first game, you just wanted to get through it. Like you just wanted to do your job, make no errors, maybe get a one tackle bus, maybe get a line break, and just focus on the little play, getting a quick play of the ball, just doing the little things right, and and making sure you make no mistakes so you get picked the week after. But you get a boy like this who's thought, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to get a try. I'm going to do the best. Obviously, getting six tackle bus is a, is a, is a great achievement to do on debut. And uh, I think it'll definitely be a sign of uh, a bright future for him. Definitely, yeah. And he's still a new young bloke as well. I think he's, he's definitely got a good couple of years ahead of him. Um, I mean, looking at the stats from this game, Jed, very high error count. You know, 19 errors overall, 45 missed tackles overall. It showed a bit of a lack of quality, but I guess that's why the point scoring was so high and, and probably what you'd expect from these two teams this season. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it, it, that sort of added to the entertainment factor. Like, from a coach's point of view, you probably wouldn't have really enjoyed this this game. In fact, from tearing your hair out, hair out from the stress of it all, the fact that, there were so many sloppy errors and missed tackles, and it's not what they, they go to training about. I thought there was a there was a passage of play quite early on from the Tigers, and it, it went through. You'll remember it quite well. You broke up the pitch. It went through about fifteen pairs of hands. You got a quick play of the ball. The hooker went there. Manly jumped on the ball and got the ball back. And I thought that pretty much just typifies what Tigers are about. Like they they're in short bursts. They are excellent and on par with some of the some of the football they play is some of the best in the league. And then they'll have a brain snap, do something stupid and lose the ball. And I think if they can get that out of the game and keep bringing these young players like we spoke about in the past and keep hold of players like Harry Garn, I think there's no reason why you can't be such a good team. But you just need to focus on doing the little things right because you've got the natural footballing ability to be able to perform against the big teams. But unfortunately, it's just the little things that are uh, holding you back at the moment. Two things we definitely lack is urgency and speed and pace. Um, it's just two things we just do not have at the club at the minute and, and that sums it up it, it perfectly. And the other week as well when Tommy Tillar made that break against the Roosters and they had nine men back after a 70-metre sprint and we had three at the attacking play. Not good enough and it's exactly why we sit in ninth, tenth position every single year for the past couple of years because we do not have these key areas of what a rugby league squad should have. Um, I think it's going to be a long off-season for both teams, Manly and Tigers, and they're probably going to be looking at similar positions next year unless something really changes. Positive for Manly, they got Turbo back and, you know, a bit of a mixed bag for us. We're probably going to look to release quite a few in the off-season, but, you know, depending on if we can make someone like a Josh Addo Carr at the club or anyone like that. But um, 
a lot of question marks over both these teams in the off season as well. Very, very, uh, bit of tumultuous times coming up for both teams, but we'll see. Uh, two clubs that don't really have any tumultuous times and not many question marks at the minute are uh, Canberra Raiders and the Sydney Roosters. Roosters winning 18 6 against you boys, Joss. Um, both kind of clubs with two definitive identities, but uh, it was another another playoff type game, wasn't it, really? And the camera, I wish the camera would have been more in the game and not so much on Sonny Bill Williams. Yeah, yeah, I feel this one will have a stereotypical performance for the Raiders this year. You know, they're at races, but blew a bit hot and cold. Went missing in patches at game, but having said that, you know, looking at them, not to defend them, but there's eight, eight first teamers out, and you know they, they have a big names within that first team, and they're still battling away. But yeah, completely agree with you about the camera time. You know, too much time built up surrounding Sonny Bill Williams rather than when he went field. But you know, it's good to see him back, and hopefully we uh, we we realise that it's all about the game rather than individual. Yeah, it's a difficult balance because you want. You want something that promotes the game and, and Sonny Bailey is probably one of the fewest names in my lifetime that probably does transcend what rugby league is. He is a worldwide superstar. You know, he'll attract viewers just by his name alone, but no one needs to see him sat on the bench or warming up and, and having a laugh, especially when we all know he's going to be playing 15, 20 minutes maximum. He had a decent stint when he came on. I think he made about four or five runs for about 20, 25 metres. He put in some good tackles, but you could see he was spent. My, my word, he was spent. So... It'll take a couple of a couple of weeks. I'm glad he's back in the game, but let's just let's focus on. There's other things to focus on as well as just Sonny Bill sat on the bench, especially someone to focus on is someone like James Tedesco and Luke Carey. The Roosters are really starting to drip feed that that talent in now coming into the playoffs, aren't they? Yeah, I mean it just shows you how good they are now. Well, it shows you how good they are without the bodies, but now the bodies are coming back. I mean, going to a cold wintry place in Canberra for a game, it's not easy and. When Luke Cave's inside, just a complete different entity altogether, you know. He, he is incredible. And then to have the best fullback in the world at boot outside of him to do whatever he asks, he, imagine having that. But it just it makes him an incredible pair. And for me, it's a bold call, but I, I genuinely think Tedesco will surpass Billy Slater and he will become the best fullback the game's ever had. He just continues to find ways to beat blokes. And he's not just beating people, he's embarrassing teams. He's an absolute credit to the sport and he's just he's just incredible to watch. Yeah, I, I, I don't fully agree on the slate of surpassing, but um, he's, he's a superb player and I think he'll, he'll win multiple Dallyems in, in his lifetime as well. I mean, two blokes who will, who will be hoping to win a Dallyem or even get close to some time is um, young Freddie Lussick and Tom Starling, the two starting knockers in this game, who, who arguably no one really heard of at the start of the season, but to be fronting two, two packs like they did, they, they really impressed you. Yeah, to say the two two teams hookers, first choice hookers weren't available, it, it, it was the most interesting contest that game. They were a real pair of them. And Freddie Lussick, this is only his third game at NRL level, and he's thrown out 66 tackles. He's, his distribution outfaulted, and he, his, his decision-making is still there, you know. And like you just mentioned, it's not against a small camera pack coming down at him all game. And then on the other side of it, you've got Tom Starling, who obviously we'll, we'll get went to use to a bit more now because he's been about a few weeks now. But he's offered 50 tackles against a full Roosters pack. So for me, it's just it's a tremendous effort from both. Um, and Starling got involved in first tackle against Sonny Bill, where they rocked him backwards. You know, he, obviously not bothered about reputation there, is it? But he's off contract at the end of his season. So I think I'd be uh, throwing the kitchen sink at him if I could do. Starling's off contract? Yeah. Game to Tigers, mate. Ignore camera. I didn't know that. <laughs> But I think it's another example of, of unbelievable depth in your squad. When someone like Josh Hodgson goes out, everybody's thinking Canberra's season's done and Sevilla Havila was going to fill in for the hooking position. Tom Starling comes in and everyone's forgotten who Hodgson is. Do you think, you know, Hodgson has gone out of, it was mentioned on Fox Sports this week, Hodgson's gone out of, um, out of action now. So a lot of your play was kind of directed down the middle in his kicking game and now it's managing to go out wide to the likes of Whiten and Williams. You think it was a bit of a blessing in disguise, or do you think you'd always kind of go towards that at the back end of the year? Um, I think it's a bit of both. I think last year would be more of a problem with White and just settling into the sixth row. But it's, it's given White and now more of an opportunity to make it his team and go. Williams' his first year, and I, I think if you just look at it for next season, if you've got that three prong attack between all three of them, five and all cylinders, then Tom Starling to come off bench, it, it, it bodes for a really good, a really good setup in my eyes. But yeah. Could have been a bit of a blessing, but I also still rather have having him inside, like. 
Definitely, and, and I'd be throwing some money at them as well. And I think a few other clubs, including my boys, could be doing that. I didn't realise you're off contract, so that's uh, very interesting. One bloke who is off contract and obviously going at the end of the year is John Bateman, and his his his, uh, his teammate in the England squad, Ryan Sutton, have been impressing us all this week, and a bit of magic really impressed you. Yeah, well, I'm going to credit Roosters as well as well talking about uh, Bateman here because I think this this bit of magic what he had to come up with. It's just off. It's just off the cuff, and I think that's a credit to Roosters, but also credit to Bob Bateman is still pulling off these players, a quality player from a quality player. But how good's Ryan Sutton been? And someone's gonna have to pick up some slack next year when he's missing. And um, well, I'd, I'd give Sutton every chance he wants because he's really, really stood up for me. Six hundred and twenty-five meters in his last few games. For me, he's becoming, you know, a recognised an RL middle man now, and it's just, it's just well, it's a showing for England side for me anyway. Definitely, I definitely agree. And, you know, we'll be doing a future podcast on our predicted of England sides if we're going to be playing in the Ashes, and I think you'll appear in all of ours. Very quickly, mate, 12 incomplete sets, 33 missed tackles and 15 errors from you boys, something that that is very unlike you boys under Sticky and, and, and needs to be knocked out very quickly coming into the last couple of rounds. Yeah, it just sounds like you're starting from a main Jed have played more than out, but... Yeah, I, I don't think it'll happen again. I think Canberra just, just didn't get into it, and then... They went on to make more errors and then tried to play, so they didn't make an error and then made an error, and it just, it would just, it just one of them to scribble off and you know move on to next week. Now, definitely, mate. And, and looking at teams who are wanting to be moving on to next week or even the week after that and week after that is the New Zealand Warriors eighteen, the Parramatta Reels twenty four. Joss, coming back to you, mate. I mean, it's like you said, you said it before on another team, but it's, it's groundhog day from the Parramatta Reels. It's exactly the same performance they've been putting in for the past couple of weeks. They've got away with the win, and the Warriors were a bit unlucky. But it's just not. It's just. It's. It's just not on really. They can't be playing like this. Yeah, it's just. Is it Eels not performing? Is it the Warriors not going away? Is it Eels are down on belief when they're in these situations? I just. I just don't have an answer for that one. But again, what what I will say is the Eels have won. You know, they've. Uh, they've got to go. They've got to go and get a win. End of the day, by how many points you win, and you know, two points is two points, especially when it's back in the season. So. But yeah, he just there's just something not right, and I just can't put my finger on what's not going right for us at the moment. It's really intriguing because now they've had that hammering off the rabbits. They definitely know that going up against the biggest sides, they can't perform like this. Yet they still keep putting in performances like this. I think it'll be interesting when they get into the playoffs and they end up playing a big team if they if they've learnt from the mistakes, or if they're going to get embarrassed again. Um, I mean, two blokes who haven't been embarrassed at all this year. Arguably the two most influential fullbacks on their specific teams faced off against each other. Roger Tuvasashek and Clint Gutherson, mate. I mean, build statues of them now if, if you need to, mate. But how good? How good? At yes, versus the King. I mean, it's just, it's got the billions of everything you want it to be done, it really. Two electrifying, electrifying performances from two blokes who are in scintillating form, you know. Gutherson's having his season, the best season he's ever had. He's been incredible. But how, how good is Roger Tuvasashek, you know? He's doing this weekly, and it's like he's just sat there watching other fullbacks go really well. Like this, this past weekend, and I think, right, I'm going better now. I'm just going to another gear. He's absolutely phenomenal, and he, he, for me, he's, he will go down as one of, if not the, the best Kiwi to grace the NRL. He's just he, he's doing this in a struggling Warriors side, week in, week out. He's obviously family have been there neither, and he, he's just a, he's just a credit to the to the club and to the sport. He's a monumental role model, isn't he, mate? And you can only imagine what what future Kiwis he's inspiring now and, and how he's playing and how he's, how he's acting as himself. That he's a real, real professional bloke. And I, I agree with that. I think he'll be arguably one of the best Kiwis of all time up there with like Stacey Jones, Ruben Wickey, Martin Graham, them type of players. An unbelievable player. And seems to seems to just make situations out of nothing, creates chances as well. Um, one thing that kind of rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way, mate, it was how the bunker was used in this game. It almost seemed like they were using it for the sake of using it and, and a lot of obvious decisions were being kind of too dissected for its own good. Yeah, you just can't wrap your head around it, can you? You know, you're a ref. It was paid to ref, so ref. Don't just sit and watch every decision you can make because if you're going to do that, you might as well be sat on the sofa next to me watching game. Because at the end of the Don't watch that, mate. Well, so, well, there we go, but... It's just, it, I just, I, it leaves you a bit speechless because you just, why not make a decision? Why not stick by a call? What if the video wasn't there? What are you going to do then? Just ask someone else. Make a call and stand by it. 
Yeah, it must be such a weird balance being a ref because you, you, you'd be so panicked and worried about missing something that if you blew a try, you'd just be absolutely pasted in the press the next day. So that's why they're going to the bunker all the time. But there's some simple tries out there. I mean, to be fair, there was arguably the, probably the best try this season I saw with the Warriors. Classic Warriors player where they're flicking it about and playing off, off side steps and, and, and on the front foot. Arguably, fair enough, you're looking for an offside, you're looking for a, a, a knock-on or whatever. But there's some really simple decisions that I think one of the things Super League has of the NRL, you look at Ben Thaley, you look at Chris Kendall, they're blowing the whistle as soon as the ball's touched down for the majority yeah. of the tries. Video referees are hard to come by over here. There's only usually two per week. So it's something that's more of a relied, relied luxury over there as well. So I think that's, that's part of the reason why. You know, it's difficult and I don't think it should be used as much as it is, but, you know, it's a bit of a luxury, so they're probably going to keep on using it anyway. But... Um, you know, a real battle you enjoyed this week, mate. Two, three, even six of your favourite blokes out there. The Warriors pack against the uh, the Eels pack. Harris Tavega and Papaliti against RCG Brown and Paulo. What a what a battle that is! Yeah, it was just big man season, wasn't it? That middle. It was really impressive, but I, and I was really impressed with New Zealand pack. You know, I, I feel they really took the game to the uh, the power pack. Obviously, we've we've ranted and raved about how well RCG and Paulo were going and running wild and. Nathan Brown's belt and anyone who's in proximity of him. But, you know, the Warriors pack really stood up. Jack Murchie for me as well, you know, he's a bloke who is coming on loan. Oh, he's for signed there now, sorry. Um, and he's really shone through with his defensive work rate. And so who Harris, another one, obviously we mentioned him a few weeks back about being a, a shining light in that pack and shouldering burden from RTS. But again, he's, he's done it again. And it's, it's against, a, a, well, it's a top four pack, isn't it, at the end of the day. But... You know, that the both packs took it to each other and, well, probably got the result. But I think if I, if I was saying the Warriors change over with that pack, I don't think I'd have a bad to say about it. I think looking at the Warriors, they've got another exciting future like other teams. But they, for years and years, they looked for a partnership with, with Sean Johnson in the house. And finally, they seem like they've got some sort of consistency with, with Chanel Harris-Tavita and uh, Cody Nicarima. Do you think this is a partnership that can lead them on for a good couple of years and potentially into the playoffs? Uh, I definitely think he's got the potential to be. I think he, he, so Harris Tavita seems a bit off the cuff, you know, just have a bit of a similar to like what young Sean Johnson were like. And Nicarima, he's got this opportunity there to control it now and just go with things with his pace and build from there. So potentially, yeah, we'll have to, obviously, we'll keep a close eye on it and we'll see where we go. Quick 20 seconds left, mate, but how good were it to see Blake Ferguson finally bag a try this season? Yeah, how good. He'll be an NRL's top try scorer for this year. Didn't doubt him once. <laughs> but he, he scored, but he's took ball in for more than 200 metres again. You know, we talked about him doing his hard work. And a performance like that to give a bloke who, who doesn't need any confidence, like Ferguson. Just watch now. 10 this weekend, 10 after. <laughs> as long as they're not playing the Tigers, mate, I don't mind. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, that wraps up our NRL re, uh, round 17 breakout. <laughs> 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 Jed fell for that Oakland and sinker. Fair play, fair play. <laughs> oh, I'm about to close my laptop down or I'm livid. Oh, brilliant. I've been planning that I made all day. So, um, <laughs> game of the round, 17. North Queensland Cowboys, 23. St. George, Illawarra Dragons, 22. Um, first winning nine or ten games, I believe, Jed. First win in a long time. First win since we've had this podcast. The streak is broken. The Undertaker has been pinned by Brock Lesnar. Um, how's it feel? Was, I mean, was it a good performance? Was it just good to get the win? Well, I'm a bit fuming because I was going to say the same thing about the Undertaker in my opening line about this game. So, <laughs> cheers for that one. You've mugged me off and stolen my line. So, cheers, Jamie. But no, yeah, I was over the moon. I've not been this happy since Just put his hand in his pocket and bought me a pint. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a good run as this one. It's been a long time coming, but... I was nervous for a long time. I thought they were going to edges, but seeing Holmes drop that one pointer over, it was a, a relief that not only that I appreciated, but I could, the, definitely the team and the fans, obviously in the North Queensland, definitely needed as well. I think if it were going to be a game come the back end of this year, it was to win. It was going to be this Dragons game. I think the back end when you're playing Brisbane, there's too much pressure on that. You can't really predict it. But the Dragons seem to have packed up and gone home, knowing that they're not going to make the playoffs, knowing that they're not going to be bottom three. They looked very deflated in, in the game, didn't they, really? And, and should be performing a lot better. But it was a very stats-heavy game, wasn't it, mate? Very even. Yeah, it, it was really even, which is reflected in the scoreline, basically. And I think 
the the pal if you're on about pure stats then Cowboys definitely deserve that 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 one point victory. 80% completion for the Cowboys against 79% for the Dragons. Possession 52% against 48%. Uh, the Dragons with slightly more run meters, but only by 44, 1,804 versus 1,848. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, it was a very close contest. But this, this game, this week, the Cowboys somehow just found that edge, something they've not done all season, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy, and I'm just going to say that after every sentence because I'm buzzing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a great testament to NRL, really, that two of the most, you know, least exciting teams this year and two of the most off-form teams are still producing a game that is so even and so entertaining for the fans that everybody's going to want to switch on. I mean, looking at... These stats are extraordinary, really, and I've never really seen anything like this since I've been looking at stats. 19 players overall out of the 34 in the game met over 100 metres I mean, talk to us about that, mate. That's, I mean, to have maybe five or six or seven players break 100 metres is ridiculous, but 19. Yeah, it's, I don't really have the words to describe it, to be honest with you, Jamie. It's just so unheard of. And I, I would be like, if I had the resources about me, um, or maybe I might write to uh, Fox League and, and see if they can do it for me. But try and find what the highest game was, because I think you'd definitely struggle to find someone with or a game with 19 players hitting over 100 metres. And it wasn't even, it wasn't as just as if that it was like they were all just hitting above 100 metres. There were loads that were over 150 metres, 170 metres, to a couple over 200 metres. They were hitting big numbers. And it's yeah, I, and I think a lot of that as well is just like that. It's not expected just for the forwards to do the work. The backs led the way quite a lot as well. I'm a big fan of Pereira. I think he's. I've, I mean, Kyle Felt is. He's, I've said it so many times. He's one of my favourite players. But both getting 149 and 144 meters, leading from the back, and when you've got players doing that, and then forwards doing it as well, you're always going to get a good game. And they definitely produced a, a great game. Very uh, one for the well, not for me and for my nerves, but for a neutral, it was a cracker. One bloke who has stepped up and, and really been a bit of a positive for the Cowboys past couple of weeks, especially after Jason Tamalolo has been ruled out for the season, is Josh Maguire. We know what he's like. His origin standard, his representative Australian standard, really. But he's filled in the void for Tamalolo at 13 brilliantly and, and kind of unlike someone we wouldn't really have thought of. No, he's, a, he's always one of them players that sort of will perform okay, but you always know he can do better. You know it. You know he's, he's proved it in the past time and time again. And uh, as I say, he's played for uh, Queensland, he's played for Australia. But yeah, he's definitely sort of stepped up and took on that leadership role within that pack, which is quite inexperienced, really, apart from Gavin Cooper, who's not been playing a lot this season anyway. He's, not, he's 35 now. He's really taken that ownership and 223 metres, 20 runs and 36 tackles is great numbers. And uh, he definitely sort of has steered that pack or that he's quite young at times to, to try and... Uh, show them what it's about. And we all know his type of game. Call a spade a spade is a grub. He's known it. He's not liked as a player because he does the things that people don't like. He winds other players up. But he's one of the people that you need on your team and he's one of the people that can gain you a penalty just from, from doing that little little niggly stuff. Well, the question to you, mate. I don't know if it'd be worth thinking about, but Josh Maguire's got a good set of hands on him. And Jason Tamalolo is more known for his running game and just his pace and power and everything. Do you think it'd be maybe worth next year switching Tamalolo to prop and Maguire to 13? I don't think it'd harm. I'd like to see what I could do. I, I think it'd be, as a prop, I think it'd be very similar in multi Papali, what Papali does. Papali's got decent little hands on him. Tamalolo does have an all right passing him, probably not as good as Maguire's, like you said. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that the Cowboys uh, backroom staff should consider and I'd like to see how that would work out and how it'd go. Yeah, I think it's definitely an interesting conundrum. I think, I mean, Tamalolo's just a, a running block and he's, he's going to make you 200 metres every single game. So whether he's playing prop, I think the only thing by starting loose forward is he can maybe get something off a second receiver or out the back, which gives him a bit more space as opposed to running up straight from the from the, uh, the play of the ball from, from the prop position. But... I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice thing to have anyway. So very quickly, mate. Valentine Holmes and Scott Drinkwater put in probably Cowboys' best performances, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I when I was watching the game after, Hindy asked, uh, it was either Hindy or Fletch asked him like, "So, a good game, Val. When, when do you plan on getting back to your best?" And it, it was so boring and so hard, and Val was just like. Oh, yeah, hopefully soon. And then they were all rinse him after. But it shows what the kind of performances that we expect from him. He's obviously he's a match winner on his days and he's an extraordinary talent. And, and he went very well. Showed cool nerves to sort of that one pointer. But Drinkwater really imp impressed me. 
he's done it in bursts this season, not really had the players around him to, to, to do it consistently. But two try assists, two line breaks, a tackle bust and offload and 109 metres. It's what you're really wanting from an half, really. You're not expecting him to, to really get over 100 metres. I think I looked at Cleary, who were magnificent this week. He got about 44 metres. Uh, Drinkwater is slightly more of a running half, but you're still not expecting them to get that high in terms of runs. But I think they combined really well. Um, I think the whole team performed really well. And yeah, uh, good game and I'm glad we won. <laughs> Definitely. And, and round 17 in general was a brilliant game. There were six games where there was only a gap of two tries or less, only broken by the uh, Penrith Broncos game, which was just over two tries. And obviously the Night Sharks game, which was 30 points to eight. My favourite round of this week, of, um, of this year, sorry, I thought it was excellent. Every game meant something and hopefully in the next couple of weeks and into the playoffs, it can be exactly the same. Just looking very briefly at the table, Penrith is still top, pretty much the uncrowned minor premiers on 31. Melbourne in second on 28. Parramatta third on 26. Roosters fourth on 24. Raiders fifth on 22. Closely followed by Newcastle on 21. Bunnies on 20 and Cronulla on 18. Um, very slim chances of getting into the playoffs. Tigers and Warriors on 14. Dragons, Manly and Titans on 12. Cowboys probably now safe from the spoon on 8. Brisbane on 6 and the Bulldogs on 4 points. Running into round 18 next week, which will be very exciting again, hopefully. Thursday night game is my boys, the West Tigers, up against the South Sydney Bunnies. Must win for both teams there, so I think that'll be a good watch on Thursday night. Bulldogs against the Manly Seagulls, which is a bit of a drab game. But, you know, if Bulldogs are going to get off the bottom of the table, that's probably the game they're going to, going to try and, and win if, if the fitness lets them. Penrith Panthers up against the Parramatta Reels, another top four tie and, and something where Penrith will need, if they're going to win the minor premiership, they're going to be looking at this game. St. George Illawarra Dragons against the Canberra Raiders, which could be a, a bit of a dark horse for game of the weekend if, if Dragons are going to be up for it. Raiders really need to win that. Gold Coast Titans against the Brisbane Broncos, which is... Massive game, massive, massive game for all teams involved. Titans are probably pushing for just outside the playoffs now. Brisbane do not want to finish bottom. Two local rivals as well. Um, Sydney Roosters against the Newcastle Knights, probably a bit one-sided there, but we'll see. Down at the SCG as well, which would be cracking. Melbourne Storm up against the North Queensland Cowboys. Maybe Jed, you might be going back and losing form there, mate. But um, I mean, we haven't got the spoon now. It's fine. You've got your win now. You're probably off the bottom, and it could be a bit of a comfortable win there for Melbourne. And what could easily be the game of the round, Cronulla Sutherland Sharks up against the New Zealand Warriors. Um, all things considered, it's probably very unlikely now for the Warriors to get into the eight, but it is mathematically possible, and winning that game will definitely be up there for them too. Very briefly, lads, we're just going to quickly look at the Super League this week, and obviously we rely more solely on um, the NRL. But we'll look at Super League. Obviously, our boys got cancelled this week against the Leeds Rhinos due to a COVID spread. Um, so we're one, one game down there. But Hulk KR picked up a very, very surprising victory from the bottom of the table up against the top. 34-18 over the Wigan Warriors. Um, Sulphur Red Devils, 30 against Casper Tigers, 37. Very competitive game there. Less likely with St. Ellen's, 54. Huddersfield Giants, 6. And Warrington Wolves, 37. Hull FC 12, very much a top-heavy there now, lads. Um, St. Ellen's now top of the table, followed by Warrington Wolves, Wigan Warriors, Catalan Dragons and Leeds Rhinos in the top five, followed by Castleford Tigers, Huddersfield Giants, Hull FC, Sulphur Red Devils, Wakefield and Hull KR, the bottom three on four points there. Looking to next week's games, Hull FC up against our boys, Wakefield Trinity, Castleford Tigers up against Warrington Wolves, and um, the day after, St. Helens up against Hull KR, Leeds Rhinos up against Huddersfield Giants, and then we've got Catalan Dragons up against Wigan Warriors. Josh, does any game stand out for you there? Um, obviously, I'd like to say us boys, but I don't know if I can manage to say that and hold myself together for the week. Warrington Cast could be a good game, uh, but then I'm looking forward to Leeds Huddersfield game as well, because I know Huddersfield are carrying a few injuries, but they always seem to rock up a bit better against Leeds, so... Be interested to keep an eye on that one. Definitely, mate. And, and Jed, who's the standout player for you so far since post-COVID? Who's really impressing for you and who do you think will kick on in the coming weeks? Um, I'd, I'd probably say Blake Austin, to be honest. Um, obviously, in the NRL, he was, he was known of what he could do at, at, at Canberra Joss. And I think uh, he tore us apart. He tore Wakey apart a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, ran a hat-trick and... Uh, He's just been really dominant and I'm really impressed with Warrington at the moment. I think Warrington and Saints are probably the two most informed teams. Uh, so if I had to, I think Theo Farge goes really well for Saints as well. I think he goes a bit underrated because they've got 
some bigger names in that squad. But yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably pick them too, to be honest with you. Superb stuff. Another packed weekend of NRL and Super League next week. Thank you so much for joining episode nine of Three Blocks and Rugby League podcast covering round 17 from the NRL and the recent Super League games. Listen to us on Apple Podcast and Spotify on this Wednesday evening on the 9th of September. We'll be coming at you with the interview with Chris Atkin, the Sulphur Red Devils halfback. And the following two weeks, we will have Richie Mathers on too. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube for all social media exclusive. In in the next coming days, and the next coming weeks, we've got some very exclusive interview announcements too. Thank you very much to Josh McVitie. Thank you very much, Jedem Moss Goddard. We'll see you down the road and we'll see you Wednesday night with Chris Atkin.